Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I'm Andrew Kahn. I'm Ryan Zook. I'm Aaron McMahon. Michigan's 2020 football season is officially over. Was it worth it? And what does the offseason look like for the program? We tackle those questions and more on this episode of Wolverine Confidential. All right, guys. Well, Michigan's football season is is over. Uh, they finished two and four. Not able to play the final Champions Week game against Iowa, and then the bowl matchups, you know, have, have come out in, in Michigan. You know, unsurprisingly, uh, is not part of them. But you know, there's a chance you got two and eight. Is it South Carolina going to a bowl game? So <laughs> um, it, it wouldn't have been out of the realm of possibility. But yeah, they're not. So yeah, it's just with everything that they had to deal with, the cancellations, the injuries, you know, the, the COVID outbreak, of course, and then the record on the field. I, I do wonder whether it was worth it, but I guess my first thing for, for you guys would be, listen, we've got, we're moving into a new year. We, we've got a, we've got a vaccine for, for the coronavirus. Like, can we give some positivity to our listeners as far as what came out of this season for Michigan? Is there anything they could point to that say, that's some progress. That's a that's a positive thing going forward for for next season. Anything at all, Aaron? I'll I'll let you go first. Is I I, I <laughs> just you started off. I've yeah. I I guess I got two things. One, the quarterback situation's been kind of cleared up in a way. Just you. So Dylan McCaffrey transferred out because remember when we came into this year, that you had three guys. They kind of didn't know what they had. They didn't know what they were going to go with. Um, Dylan opts out to be in the year, so he's out of the picture. You start Joe, he regresses, so you kind of know what you have there. And then Cade McNamara, he looked good shortly, so I, I think there's there's optimism there. But in a way, I think Michigan's quarterback situation has been cleared up a little bit with JJ McCarthy coming in. I guess that's a positive. I, I, I know. I guess some people could debate that. <laughs> um, and then I got one person in defense, Jamon Green. I know the quarterbacks got a lot of crap this year, and rightfully so. They played poorly at times. Um, but I, I do think he could be something here in a year or two. You got to give him some time to develop. Remember, they didn't have they didn't have much of a, a off season last year before you know before this year mm-hmm. to kind of get get guys going. Um, I thought as the year went on, he looked better. He got stronger. Um, he looked better in coverage. So I would look for him to be a part of the, the quarterback rotation here in the here in the next year or two. Yeah, that, that is a pretty good point about Jamon Green. I didn't really think about him too, but uh, I wrote wrote this in my in my final grades, and it's like. Man, like there's really just there wasn't many positives at all this season. Even even like potential, like there's no young breakout stars that were like, all right, we can at least be excited about this guy moving forward. I mean, Dax Hill looks like he could be a, a top defensive bat heading into his junior year, but we kind of already saw that from from his freshman year to his sophomore year as well. Uh, some other guys like Cameron Grown. I mean, you you thought he could be a, a, a star linebacker after after a breakout sophomore year. And he kind of regressed. I mean, there just wasn't the three freshman receivers from from 2019. I mean, they didn't. They had, each had some flashes this year, but again, nothing that says, "All right, this guy could be uh, an impact player um, heading into next season." So, Cade McNamara did flash some some potential, and but again, it was mostly against Rutgers. I mean, can you feel that good about one game heading into next year against one team? I mean, he only threw 71 passes this year. Is that enough of a sample size to? to really feel comfortable at that position heading into next year. And yeah, JJ McCarthy could start, but like you, you can't really count him with this year's team because he's a new recruit too. So yeah, I mean, it's, it was just, uh, it was tough doing the, the, the final grades because it's like, wow, there's just really not many bright spots at all for the team. 
Yeah, no, there's not some secret thing that I had, uh, you know, found <laughs> in my in research or something to, to you know, present here. Um, yeah, no, that that kind of sums up the the year. Uh, so I, I mean, I wonder, was it, you know, was it worth it? Do you think for this Michigan football team to to have this season? It was a question that you know several players were asked early last week before before the Iowa game was was canceled. But yeah, I was kind of interested in in their in their answers. But yeah, what what are, what are your thoughts on whether you know, given the record and all that you know they had to kind of endure just to to play those six games, you know, whether geez, you'd wonder if if you know they had a say if they could go back and just say, all right, well, we're we're good with the Big Ten's initial decision to not play. I think given the fact that they only played six games, I'm I'm going to say no to make it worth it. I think something needed to have been accomplished this year. I don't think much was accomplished. I think you got some younger guys, got more playing time, the offensive line. You got some younger guys that saw playing time on defense, but you, you start to wonder how many of those guys are going to be, you know, in the rotation or playing, you know, next year. Like an, I'm thinking of like an Adam Shibley, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, and you got some guys up front, they got more playing time, but again, you know, Carlo Kemp is leaving. So it's like, I, I, I don't think they accomplished much. It would have been one thing if they would have played a full 12 game season um, gotten some continuity going at the offensive line. They got they got a lot of young guys in there, some some valuable reps, which I think is something to be gained going into future years. But there's so much shuffling up front there, and there's no continuity. It's like, in a way, it was almost wasted. I mean, they couldn't get it going week after week. So I, I don't think it was. You know, given the fact it's one thing to go two and four. You know, they could have went two and six or two and eight or whatever. Um, but you know, the, the fact they didn't get a full season, and I, I think to me makes this, I think, such a disappointing uh, year. Yeah, the, the way I look at it is if the season wasn't, if the mission wasn't able to play this season, there would be a lot less doubts about the, the coaching staff moving forward. There would be a lot more stability, most likely, among the, the coaching staff and probably with the recruiting class as well. I, I think if, if the season was canceled, Michigan probably would have signed a few more players. I mean, they did sign a really nice, a nice class on the offensive side of the ball. Um, but again, they lost two two other top defensive commits on, on signing day. Lost out on a few other top targets down the stretch. Uh, I think we, maybe without a season, without these recruits seeing the instability of the coaching staff and seeing the product on the field, they might have reconsidered their their college decision. So uh, from that standpoint as well, I don't think the season being played helped Michigan did Michigan any favors. Well, I agree with you. I wonder if that would have just delayed the inevitability of like the coaching staff, especially with Don Brown. I mean, coming into this year, Don Brown was already getting criticism for, you know, his defense, you know, performing poorly in bigger games. Uh, defense was a huge letdown this year, they, they, especially with secondary. Uh, and it looks like it's possible that, you know, Don Brown could be on his way out along with several other assistant coaches. So you wonder if them not playing this year would have just given them another year going into 2021 now maybe the result would have been different next year again we don't know um but the, the fact that you know they were unable to put together for a full season or you know play play well you know it tells me that i i don't know it, it's an interesting topic to have I, I guess we have to wait and see here what happens with the coaching staff because i i can almost guarantee you that this this entire staff as a whole right now will not be intact for next year if harbaugh does does return there'll be with some changes perhaps on both sides of the ball um, but, you know, I, I think not playing this year, what, like you said, would have kind of kept everything intact, which I guess is fine. Maybe the results would have been better, you know, going into next year, but perhaps a change is needed. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's, that's great, you know, presentation of both, both sides of this here. You, you, you didn't really see any progress, so it seemed wasted. But at the same time, if, if some of these problems, you know, were exposed potentially, you know, it, it's good to, 
it's like a learning exercise, I guess, from from that standpoint, you can try to make changes for the better sooner uh, rather than rather than later. But yeah, it was it was interesting hearing, uh, you know, the players ask this question. Now, is any player going to say no, it wasn't worth it? I mean, right. even if they feel that way, then they they probably wouldn't say that. Uh, and, you know, the players that we get to interview, you know, especially th- this season with you know, nothing being in person, it's all chosen by the team. So, um, you know, they're, they're probably going to present players that they know maybe are going to say the right things, but, you know, Carlo Kemp, you know, as mentioned, he's, you know, co-captain. He said, you know, absolutely. It was just for you know, all the work that they put in and, you know, they love playing games and he saw growth and accomplishments, you know, smaller things that necessarily, you know, we didn't see in actually on the field and in wins and losses, but yeah, you do wonder as far as how it all, uh, know, given, given everything that happened. So yeah, you kind of, you kind of touched on it a little bit with the coaching staff. I'm wondering, you know, where the, where you guys think some of the major things, you know, to look for in this off season, you know, for Michigan, maybe, maybe besides the coaching staff, because we know that that's a major thing, but just as far as the roster, you know, we know Michigan, you know, despite the season that they had still brought in a pretty talented recruiting, recruiting class, but yeah, there's also the transfer portal. Like where do you see, you know, uh, kind of this program, some of the major things to look for before next season starts. I mean, we've, we've already seen kind of a glut of, not a glut, but we've already seen a few guys, um, you know, declare plans to transfer. I would not be surprised if more happened here in the next couple of weeks. Um, it's not kind of out of the ordinary. If you need to go back previous seasons with, with more favorable results, you've seen guys leave. That will probably be the case again this year. Guys that you know, perhaps aren't in position to start next year or get playing time. Um, heck, even, you know, true freshman is that Carpenter center who was starting and, and getting playing time opted out or decided to leave. So I think you'll see that continue. Um, that won't be a big surprise. I think that's just the nature of college football nowadays. Uh, but the coaching staff changes will be something to be key. I think it's going to start with Harbaugh. If he does, in fact, return, then I, I think you're going to see some changes um, naturally on the defensive side of the ball. Um, but I think you're going to see Michigan's going to have to look to the portal and, and you know, right? And speak to this more, but I mean, they got positions in need, whether it's a defensive line where they didn't get a single uh, commit so far at tackle position, you know, secondary, especially cornerback is going to be a grave need. So um, the depth is going to be a concern. They need to add some guys. Um, I would not be surprised if one of the quarterbacks decides to transfer out, whether it's Milton or McNamara, probably more so Milton, but you're going to see some significant departures. I think this in the next, you know, two to four weeks, and you're going to, you're going to see Michigan go after some, some key, position groups that that it needs to uh, to bolster. Yeah, Bryce Marich of the Michigan Insider who was on our, our recruiting podcast last week. I mean, he he's, he told me that yeah, expect this roster to be completely revamped heading into 2021 and a lot of that's going to be through the transfer portal. I mean, there's already hundreds, almost a thousand guys in, in the transfer portal already this offseason. So I I definitely expect Michigan to be very active um like Aaron said a huge need on, on the defensive line in the secondary. I mean, really any defensive position, Michigan could use some help right now. Even, I mean, if one of Michigan's quarterbacks does transfer, they could always look in the, into the transfer portal too for, for a quarterback because obviously this year there wasn't much depth um, behind them. And if one of them leaves, you would still like to have three viable options. Uh, they do still have Dan Villari as, as a scholarship quarterback, but again, he was very under-recruited coming out of high school anyway, so you don't really know how he will project at the college level. So I expect a lot of activity from, from Michigan and, and there likely will be more departures as well through the, through the transfer portal. So it, it should be an interesting off season to cover for sure. Yeah. And as far as, you know, Michigan's, you know, schedule looking ahead, ahead for next year, you know, the non-conference schedule isn't 
terrible. Western Michigan, Washington is is kind of the premier game. It's you know supposed to be in Ann Arbor. I mean, I assume you know there could be changes to that. That was a home and home that was supposed to start this year at Washington, but you know they do have the contract for for the game here this year. I don't know if if that'll if that'll hold. And then uh, Northern Illinois is the other the other game. Um, you know, as far as the Big Ten, you know, you get you know Michigan State and Ohio State are home but i mean i guess that will change now because they got michigan state at home this year so i mean you, you think that would that would flop and they'd finally get those you know off you know on alternating years but yeah it's um the, the crossover games currently scheduled are, are wisconsin uh, nebraska and and northwestern so yeah man just thinking of that 2021 schedule right now is giving me a headache yeah absolutely <laughs> uh, but yeah it, but you know it does bring up something that i wanted to mention which is the the fact that um, you know, this season, if it showed us anything with college football is that these, these games that are scheduled out just years and years in advance are, are completely unnecessary. I mean, you saw teams schedule games, you know, midweek, you know, they did it, they did it on 48 hours notice in some cases, um, scheduling these games now, you know, a full, a full year, you know, in advance, I think makes sense for fans that might want to travel and, and things like that. But, you know, just like looking at, at, at Michigan's schedule, for example, I mean, they've got games scheduled out to uh, 2034, you know, with Notre Dame, but even, <laughs> even closer, you know, the Oklahoma and Texas is 2025 through 2027. It's, it's, it's not necessary um, in, in my mind, but, you know, I did think of it when I saw, you know, Aaron, you, you, reported on Michigan UNLV scheduling a game for 2023. It just seems a, a little silly to me. Uh, it also had me looking at their not Michigan's non-conference schedule for, I just mentioned next year as you got Washington at least, but the two years after that, it's really poor. I mean, like the best team in there is like Connecticut, I guess. I don't know. It's, it's, it's a, the next the two years after that, the non-conference, the three games each are really horrible. Something to- yeah. If, if you've been paying attention to Michigan scheduling, they've been slowly taking away some of the bigger uh, name opponents and replacing them with, uh, you know, group of five teams, Mac schools, the like, um, take into that what you will, uh, more manuals claimed it's a scheduling thing. I, you know, you can, I guess, believe what you want to believe. <laughs> right. So. Yeah. I guess, you know, as, as we kind of put the bow on this 2020 season and, and, maybe, you know, look ahead. Is there, is there anything else Michigan specific, or you want to talk a quick, quick talk on just the national picture? Cause we do have, uh, you know, do have our four, we have our, our playoff matchup set Alabama, Notre Dame and uh, Clemson, Ohio state. If you guys had any thoughts on those matchups. I, I have nothing else. I'm ready to talk about some good teams. <laughs> yeah, it was interesting. I thought this year, uh, if anything, they'd go with, you know, it, it could be a year to, you know, that four spot give to a team outside of the major conferences. And I you know, thought Cincinnati was definitely deserving. There were, there were other teams as well. Coastal Carolina undefeated. Um, you know, wish we could have got to see them in their conference championship game, but you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with Notre Dame in that spot or, or even Ohio state, you know, in there, despite their only playing six games. It's just that, yeah, I mean, I don't know. We kind of already seen some of these matchups. So it's just, I don't know. I thought they'd maybe go with Cincinnati, but they didn't. I'm I'm of the opinion they got it right. I think the, the, to me and the committee's not the the job of the committee is to find the four best teams in college football. I, I think these are the four best teams. Now you can argue about ranking and and position and things. I, I think we should be seeing Clemson Notre Dame round three here in the semis and not making one three and one four. But um, you know I, I don't think folks really care about that or you know they whatever but i think they are right i mean those are the four best teams this year i cincinnati had a case i think but i think they desperately needed uh some type of marquee non-conference game 
to kind of get them over the hump and, and they just didn't do it combined with a couple of games postponed. They just, they play in a conference that just isn't looked at at the same caliber as a big, you know, as a big 10 or an SEC mm-hmm. or a big 12. It's just, that's just the reality of college football these days. I know folks don't want to hear that or they disagree and that's, and that's fine. But I think that's how the committee looks at it. So I, I, they, I think they got it right. You know, you can make a case that Ohio state didn't play, you know, uh, as many games as they should have and, and sure. Um, but they won. They won the Big Ten championship. They ran their schedule and won. Um, they did beat the top ten team in Indiana. So it's it, to me they they got it right. You know, you could finagle about matchups, but I, I think I think those are the top four teams. I think if Cincinnati kind of really just rolled over Tulsa in the in the conference championship game, it would have bolstered their case. But having to win on the last second field goal against a, a Tulsa team that that's good, but I mean not really considered a, a national contender didn't really help their chances, but. Like Andrew said, if this was the year to kind of just take a chance on on a group of five team, this would have been the year with with either Cincinnati or Coastal Carolina. Me personally, I kind of would have preferred to see Texas A&M over Notre Dame, but I, I don't think either Texas A&M or Notre Dame played the, the greatest schedules either. I don't think Notre Dame's win over Clemson is as, as impressive as people were saying, given all the, all the players that were missing that game, uh, including Trevor Lawrence. And they just did not look very good against Clemson the, the second time around at, at full strength. So it's hard to put in a team uh, in the playoff after they get kind of destroyed in their conference championship game. But it's it's not a bad pick. I mean, it's not like it, it's definitely justifiable to have Notre Dame in in the championship. I just would have liked them go in a different direction. But it is what it is. I hear what you're you're not wrong about Cincinnati and and you know needing the more impressive win in their conference championship. I just think it's an unbelievable double standard that 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 exists in college football at the committee. I mean, you know, yeah, if you're the, if you're an SEC team, you don't have to, you know, just a win is a win. But, you know, if you're one of these smaller schools, you've got to, you've got to win by a certain amount, apparently too. Um, you know, the Tulsa team is not bad. They won the game. I mean, they won all their games. So yeah, I know, but, but I hear you. It's that's, that's. I, hey, I, I'm with, you. I would have loved to see Cincinnati in there. That would have been, uh, that would have been interesting, but again, it's just, it's, 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 it's going to be tough for, any group of five team to ever ever just build that schedule enough and get the results needed to to make the the playoff one more thing on this topic too since you know i know contracts really what it's impossible to do but i think if there's one year to expand the playoffs to eight teams i think this would have been a perfect year to do it just because of the lack you know the difference in in games played um the, the questions around cincinnati uh, you know, the, I think Oklahoma was playing some really good football here in the last few weeks and they won the Big 12 championship. I think they deserved a, a legitimate look. Uh, you had some good teams there. Indiana I thought had a really good year. I think this would have been a perfect year for an 18, 18 playoff just to get some of these fringe teams in. I think it would have made things more interesting and fun. I mean, a year where things are getting canceled and moved around and changed, you know, it, I think it would, have been, it would have been a cool move from the, the, the committee to say, hey, we're going to expand the state this year. But I, I know contractually that's with TV and everything else is probably impossible to do, but I think it would have been fun and, and uh, created some more interest too in, in the college football bowl season. Yes. Oh, yeah. It'd be a great thing to keep going forward as well. I mean, that's what it should be. It should be eight. This four team has, right. has been a regression from the two team BCS. Sadly. I mean, I think it's made it, it's made it worse. You know, three of the teams are the same teams every year. Uh, and <laughs> yes, yeah, I, I just, you know, it's completely subjective now. There's no objectivity in, in, in the, termination of the of the field at all um yeah i got problems with it but i agree with you eight, i think eight is ideal take the five conference champions maybe the highest highest ranked group of five team 
uh, and then two wild cards. You, mm-hmm. I mean, there'd still be you know debates over you know eighth and ninth team and, and whatever, and that's fine. But I think the the further out you get, I think the less meaningful the debate should be. And it's just like just play with eight, uh, you know, match them up one versus eight. I think. I mean, you could even do six. I'd be fine with six even. And I think Har- Jim Harbaugh has, has advocated for that too. I think he's done six, twelve, and he's done a bunch of different combinations. But anyway, I think more teams the better. I think it would be more exciting. Uh, and I think it'd be good for college football. And I, I think eventually we'll get there one day. Whether I think the college, I think the current contracts up in like twenty twenty four or something. So I, I think you will see a, an expansion at some point. But I think the sooner, the better. I think for all of us. You guys sold me. I'm all for that now too. That I mean, you both made some good points. Yeah, more games, more money too. I don't understand why it hasn't already happened, but so be it. All right. Well, you know, maybe next. When this happens, we can be talking about a Michigan team in play for one of those spots. We shall see. Didn't happen this year, but uh, thank you all for listening throughout the football season. Now we're the podcast will not stop uh, just because the football season stops. We'll have plenty of offseason news to discuss. And of course, you know, basketball, hockey and, and other sports as well. So it will it will continue. But uh, if you don't hear an episode for a week or two coming up here, it's simply because of the holiday break. And, uh, you know, we'll be back in, in 2021. So everyone have a happy and safe new year. And thanks for listening.